Today on The Breakdown, Sam Greenwood comes from a family of accomplished poker players, and he has reached the pinnacle of that family. His brothers are all jealous. Christoph Vogelsang comes from a country of poker players, Germany. He has reached near the pinnacle, if not the pinnacle, of that country. The country's all jealous. We're going to break down a hand today featuring these two players who have reached the king spot in their respective hills. Congratulations to them. Let's see if one of them can outplay the other on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. Right, that happened. Yeah. That was the opening that you did. I had to do it because you couldn't keep your crap together. I couldn't do it. It's my fault, everyone. I'm, I apologize. I take full responsibility. You didn't like that, that little thing about nah. how Greenwood comes from the family and Vogelsang comes from the country? Nah. I, I, I appreciated the effort. <laughs> I didn't hate the premise. It didn't really work. It didn't land for I me. Think, I think you are unfairly critical when I get to do the openings because you feel like that's your thing and no, you, want me to, you want me to fail. No, that's not it at all. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. I'm sure you would know. I'm sure it's not subconscious. <laughs> Let's be clear. Who's the guy who critiques all the openings? That would be you. I am. I'm good at you it. You critique the openings good almost every time. Yeah, it's, I mean, so, so, you know, like this is the section of the show where we critique the opening. You don't understand. This is yeah, what happens. Just, but, you're, just, you're, just, you're just overly defensive right now. There's no reason to be. No, no. It was a bad opening. It's okay. It was a good opening. It was a bad opening. But, Seven out of but, ten. But you know, the truth is I couldn't get through mine, so it didn't matter. I couldn't do it. I just broke out laughing you three kept times saying, in a row. You kept trying to say they were playing mind games with I each know. other, which is there's no and indication I of that. There's not too many mind games going on, but I kept trying to say it, and it just burst out laughing each time. And the third time, I didn't even get into it. I got like three words in and started laughing and couldn't breathe, and Grant had to do it. And so here yeah. we are. Frequent listeners will know that we don't always cut it when Jonathan can't get through the opening. Sometimes we <laughs> let it just go. But <laughs> it's true. But there's a point now where we're like, one of them we let go too far, I think, which is honestly one of my favorite openings of all time. But it's also, we probably let it go a little too far, where they were in spaceships. And they weren't firing lasers. They were firing chips at each other. <laughs> that, that made you so happy. All-time classic from my point of view. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so this is going to be the third hand we've done from this final table. Uh, with Kristoff. With, uh, all involving Vogel saying, of course, yeah. his opponents are always very interesting players because it's an elite final table, 100K super high roller final True. table. And they're always different players. We make sure to switch it up. Yeah, we did that for on you purpose. guys. Yeah, it's for y'all. Yeah, we've done one with Bonimo, uh, yep. which Vogel saying lost. Yep. One with Shemian, which Vogel saying also lost. Although, yes, and he made he made inexplicable, strange decisions in both of those hands. Vogel saying did. Now in the second hand, though, he lost. You know, like he sh- he's always going to lose. He was yes. hit queens against aces and like lost in such a way that like was kind of spectacular. Like, yeah, like how did you, lost. how did you fold there? Yeah. Like he's it supposed felt, to lose. He's supposed to double up Shemian and he doesn't. And we ultimately concluded in that one that we didn't actually like the fold, but it was yeah. correct in practice. We actually didn't like the call on the river against Bonomo. We didn't like the fold on the turn yeah. against Shemian. He was incorrect against Bonomo. He was right against Shemian. Yeah. Well, let's see if he can win this one. Let's see how he does. Yeah. I'm concerned. I'll just say that going in. I know what happens, and I'm a little concerned that we're going to not... We may not love this either. We'll see. You don't think so? I'm not sure. Honestly, I, I really don't know what we're going to think about the river play in this one. I mean, if we think, once again, that Vogelsang has messed up, and it feels clear to us that he's messed up, which we, it felt clear on both the other ones, right? Like, we tried to justify it as best we could, but we because it's Vogelsang... I mean, because it's Vogelsang, I feel... I don't feel I can say it's clear. I feel I can say, to the best of my knowledge and ability, he messed up. 
But right. I feel like that's not the same as saying he messed up. I agree, which is interesting because to us, and we we have good poker minds, just not as good as Christoph Vogel sayings. Yeah, that's fair. Um, it's to us, it seems like clear that he was wrong in both these spots. And if there's a third spot now at the final table against this elite competition, Vogel saying is clearly respected by his peers. Clearly, is a very good player. If there's a third spot where we feel similarly, where we feel like Christoph is messing this up, we might have to just rethink poker entirely, like recalibrate everything. I mean, maybe. Yeah. yeah. I mean. That or he's making mistakes. Right. Which That's is possible definitely too. possible. I mean, and I want to, har- I know I do this sometimes. I want to harken back to our interview with Daniel Negreanu. We were talking about all the different things he does and some of the plays that are unusual. And we were saying how, you know, he's adjusting to like guys like Dan Coleman, where he's check raising worse hands, but hands for value still and stuff like that. And he said, yep, I'm doing all that. But also sometimes I just make mistakes. Yeah. And it's possible that Christoph just made some mistakes and we're seeing them all. That's so, possible. It's not crazy. Like, it's really hard to play perfect poker. And that's it. The end. Like, yep. And no one can do it. Not even him. Even right. if he's trying to be GTO, he can't be GTO. No. It's impossible. Only so, a robot can do. Yeah. It'd be nice to be able to have a GTO robot play for you. That's, that'd yeah. be cool. I mean, that's, they're called bots. Yeah. <laughs> they're online. Yeah. That's not cool. Right. So not so nice. Not so nice. Well, it's nice for the person who gets to... Nice have, for the person who's stealing from everyone? Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe I have less sympathy for that person. I don't have sympathy. I have less res- enthusiasm? I have like extreme respect. That's <laughs> what I would <laughs> and call And admiration. Yeah. <laughs> just like adulation, basically. Ah, uh, yeah. 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 Just kidding, actually. Hey, I do have respect for Aaron Alonzo, who suggested this hand on Twitter. Yes, he did. He uh, tweeted at us. We are, of course, at Two Poker Guys. That's the number two poker guys on Twitter. If you want to suggest a hand to us, which we'd love if you did. Just tweet at us and include the link to the YouTube, you know, video and uh, timestamp that puppy, as I like to say. Yep. You you love stamping puppies, don't you? <laughs> it's a good thing because then you know who they belong to. Or if you just want to put a funny thing on them, that's good too. Just something like I'm with stupid and have it point to the puppy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Classic. Because dogs are typically stupider than humans. Well, but the, the thing that's funny is the puppy saying I'm with stupid, but doesn't realize it's pointing to him and not to like. Because he's, so, he's, he's actually so, so stupid. stupid. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's classic. Can't even read I'm with like stupid. Dumb puppies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Anyway, so this is the final table, but all the money's up top. It's a small field because it's a super high roller, 100K yeah. buy-in. And uh, we got Vogel saying as the chip leader of the tournament at the moment at the uh, 20K, 40K mark, he's got 5.5 million. That's quite a hefty stack there. Pretty, pretty good. Yep. He is in the small blind against Sam Greenwood. Sam Greenwood is in the big blind with about 2 million. So he's still got plenty of chips. He's got 100 blinds. He does not. He has 50 blinds. 20K, 40K. Oh, 20K, 40K. Oh, yeah. wow. I was thinking 10, 20 for some reason. Yeah. Okay. He's got 50 blinds. Yep. Um, and Vogel saying it has ace king off in the small blind. And this is a decision we're going to have to talk about. He limps. Yeah, he completes. Now, this seems like uh, it would make more sense if Greenwood had like 15 blinds, like a, a stack that he's going to shove sometimes. You know, I mean, I don't know if that's true. I think that's I think against a player as good as Greenwood when you limp and he's got 15 blinds that may almost be suspicious to him. He's like, aren't you yeah. just like mostly shoving or folding? Like you're right. barely going to complete. Maybe maybe if Greenwood had more of a stack that was comfortable to limp shove against, where he mm-hmm. wouldn't necessarily move in, but like Greenwood, if Greenwood had like 35 blinds, you know, and sometimes he's going to raise to four blinds, and then Vogel saying gets to effectively move him in. Yeah, we aren't going to be able to do that. But what we can do is create a dynamic where if we've been completing a lot, 
and he's been raising sometimes, then we can three bet and we can be three betting him a fair amount. And this is one of our three bet go with hands. Yeah. We're gonna have three bet fold hands. This is a three right. bet go with it hand, that's all. You gotta have those two in your range. Yeah. And knowing that as Vogel saying makes me believe that he's not doing this with all ace kings. He's just right. choosing a reason or another to limp this time with Ace King. Maybe it's because he has the ace of hearts in his hand. Maybe it's because of the way his hair feels on his head at I this mean, particular moment. I don't know. It's possible he's just not raising anything from the small blind. He's just completing the small blind against this field and not raising, period. I don't know. Um, yeah. I would guess if he's doing GTO, he's not doing that. Yeah, I feel like that's a strategy that a lot of good players will use, and it feels like that's about three years ago that people were really using that strategy, yeah. but it seems pretty clear that a mixed strategy is a bit better. You know, you want to mix in some raises, some some limps. And, mm-hmm. you know. and as long as you're limping with some strong hands, yeah. like Vogel saying he's doing, that can work fine. Right, having just... Balance is is key to having a mixed strategy. Yep. And Vogel saying, obviously, balance is the name of the game for this guy. That guy is like, belongs on the uh, the pummel horse. Yeah. Because his balance is so good, you know? For Germany. You think he'll maybe compete next Olympics? 2022, let's go. Vogel saying. Yeah. Achtung, Vogel saying. You know what I'm saying? What does Achtung mean? Action. Oh. <laughs> attention. It means Attention. Actually, okay. I, well, I believe that would I'm be not, an incredible. I'm definitely not an expert on German. That would be an incredible, incredible career pivot to go from <laughs> like 34 year old professional poker player, yeah, to Olympic gymnast. Didn't somebody just quit poker to say they were going to try and become a professional tennis player? Yeah, James Obst. There we go. Yeah. So you know, how about that? Obst is younger than Vogel saying though. Like, and gymnastics is an especially young sport. Yeah, I mean, tennis is pretty young too. I mean, Federer is like 42. Federer is the best of all time. It does not count. Nadal's 38. All the good players, except for the best of all time. Nadal's like one of the 10 best players of all time also. Uh, beyond the, the true greats are all like 23 years old. And yeah. like, when you hit like 25, you're like an old person in tennis. So. Except but, for Federer. Except, yeah. Except and James Opes, who's only 26. Yeah, that's old for tennis. I don't think he's going to make it. I'll tell you. I'm just going to. I'm calling it right here. I'm calling my shot. Not going to work out. No, it's going to work out fine as long as people aren't allowed to bring their cell phones into the stadium. Here, I knew it was coming. I mean, how I can had we not, to make the joke. How can we not bring up? Let's the, just make fun of the infirmed. He's not infirmed. He has the Better Call Saul disease. Yeah, which was fake on the TV show. Yeah. By the way, so if it's fake on the TV show, let's say it's fake and it's just in his mind, so he's infirm mentally. Either way, you're making fun of the infirmed. I'm not saying you shouldn't do it though. It's, there's a lot of potential. Yeah, I know, think it's pretty good ground to cover. With that. <laughs> no, I'm not making fun of him. I well, uh, I am, you're making fun of him. I am a little bit. I want to explain what he claims his, uh, yeah. his ailment is yeah. because it's very interesting whether or not it's mental or physical. Like I better call Saul. It's at least questionable. Yeah, he he believes that the radio waves from Wi-Fi and from just anything emitting electricity gives him like an allergic reaction that mm. affects him negatively. And yeah. he, he thinks this is a disease that people have. And he could be right. I didn't know that was a thing that real people thought was a thing. And when I saw, cause the better call Saul thing happened before that. Now, I mean, it, ha- it may have been, it's probably based on other people oh, from your point of view. Yeah. Obviously. From my from point James of view. James Ope's point of view. Yeah. Now, and Ope's is saying, is Ope saying like in better call Saul that, uh, like if he's in a room where that's happening, he can feel it or more than just he's worried about like it, like degrading his immune system and hurting him over a long time. I exactly remember. Clearly yeah. his case is not as severe as the better call Saul case. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. Cause by the way, if you don't watch better call Saul, we're not going to catch you up. It's like the James Ope's disease. There you go. Yeah. You know, it hurts to walk in a room with, uh, if there's electricity on that's it. Right. And it's not real. It was all in his mind and on the show. 
Anyway, now he's a tennis player, I guess. Apparently. He's he's trying to be. And he actually, although he said he's like retired, that doesn't mean he's not going to play any more poker. He just said he's going to play less. Yeah. Which is fair. Yeah, because I think he's just playing poker like 300 days a year currently, and he's Mm -hmm. probably just going to scale that back to, you know, 100 or something. I got to tell you, if you don't do well with electricity, playing poker is a tough gig because either you're playing live and people have phones and lights, or you're playing online and that's a computer. Yeah. Tough, tough spot. And if you've got that issue specifically. That it is. Yeah. That it is. Well, I, I, it, would, it would be incredible if he became like a good tennis player. That, it would. That would be on TV and stuff. It would be amazing. That would be an maybe, incredible Maybe he's an amazing tennis player and has just been like, well, I'm so good at poker. I've got to do this. I'm sure stuff. he's really good at tennis, at least, to make this decision. I mean, what does really good mean, though? Like, of course, he's going to be pretty good, but like really good com- compared to you and me. But yeah. is he good enough to play on the professional circuit and not lose money? Now, it, like, because if not, then what, what is he doing? Well, maybe he's just got enough money from poker. He's like, I'm going to follow yeah. my actual dream. Okay, that's fair. And, and I'm like, at least on the border of good enough to, to make it into like yeah. the top 1,000 or whatever. The truth is, if you can even just get, you know, make it into the U.S. Open, they pay you even if you, for the first round, you get paid right away. Just just being... It's like $16,000 or Yeah, just right? showing up, you get paid no matter who you are. Like, you get through the wild card round so you can, because you can earn your way because it's an open event. Yeah. And like, that gets you paid right away. So that's kind of cool. I mean, there's a lot of invites and they get already get money. So like if you can be that good, that's not easy to be that good, but if no. you can pull it off, like top whatever 60 or something like 70, like you're fine. Also tennis is fun. I don't think it's I mean, you obviously never read the Andre Agassi book cuz it's not fun for the players. They hate it. I enjoyed tennis when I have played it. Maybe I haven't yeah. like played professional level tennis. Yeah, no, they hate it because of what it does to their bodies. Like right, they're in pain all the time and don't enjoy it. Like every time they have to do anything, it hurts. And it's like playing tennis specifically. And then they have to do it constantly for hours and hours. Right. It's really because hard. it's really bad on all your joints, your yeah. arm, your, your, your shoulder, your elbow, your knees, your ankles. And all. they've been doing it since they were little kids, all yeah. of them, except for James Opes. They've all been doing it since they were like six years old. And they really, almost all of them don't like it. Hey, James Opes and tennis are nowhere near this hand, so maybe we should... Yeah, okay. We'll get, get to the hand itself. Do our own pivot back to the hand. Sure, why not? So um, Greenwood, after Vogel saying limps the ace king off, the ace of hearts, the king of diamonds, just checks his nine deuce off in the big blind. I'm sure Vogel saying is slightly disappointed in that. I mean, it's totally reasonable, by the way, for Greenwood to race. Because he has such a bad hand? Yeah, like, let's win now or win a bigger pot, you know, like... In, I've got position on you. Like it's completely reasonable to raise. It's also reasonable, obviously, to check. But maybe he just thinks Vogel's thing is too good and doesn't want to mess around. Maybe also with a fifty blind effective stack raising is is a pretty decent option because yeah. it's not like horrible things can happen to us. Like sometimes right. we get three bet and like oh that didn't work out, you know. Or yeah, we we see bet the flop and he calls and we even bet the turn and he calls and we're out ten blinds. Yeah. It's not the end of the world. Or, you know, 12 blinds. We still have 38 blinds. Checking is fine, though. We can, yeah. hit, we can hit some stuff with this crappy hand that we get to see for free in position. And we obviously have to check a bunch of our hands when he limps. We can't bet them. We can't raise them all. No. Um, he's too good to do. He's right. going gonna to punish us, as we see. He's waiting, lying in wait for us. So good job, Sam. You avoided this particular trap, at least so far. All right. We got 120K in the pot because it is a big blind ante event. So Greenman put in another 40K for the ante. Yep. Uh, the flop is queen of spades, four of hearts, three of diamonds. This is the crappy part about limping the ace king off here is like you're not frequently going to hit anything so wonderful on yeah. the flop with ace king. And you block all the good hands pre-flop, which is a big reason why ace king is such a powerful hand. And you lose the ability to just win, win chips pre-flop and you get out of position. You got to deal with flops like this. Yep. It's kind of poopy. It's not ideal now. 
but we're underrepped a little bit. Not highly underrepped anymore because we can have a pair, which yeah. is better than what we have. But we also, on average, we have a we have a better hand than one would expect. Still, yes, I think so. So that's something, yeah. but it's not great anymore. It's not a big deal anymore. It's not a big deal. Vogel saying checks. Yeah, I guess he could bet. What do you think? He could bet. He'd be sort of protecting equity slash bluffing. He's mostly just protecting equity. Yeah, he's, he's not, not really folding out a three. No, no, he could be starting a multi street bluff. Yeah, but I don't know if he's really going to do that. He could be semi. He's really semi bluffing, right? He's betting and hoping an ace or a king comes so he can keep bluffing. Or not bluffing, so he can keep betting and now be betting for value into a bigger pot and stuff. Um, I think it's fine to bet, but I think it's really fine to check, too. Because, like, betting is sort of weird. Our hand's, like, a little too good to bet, yeah. right? It's actually kind of interesting to me as a multi-street value play when you think about it from the perspective that you were just saying, at 50 blinds effective, where he bets as a semi-bluff because he can improve, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's going to be really hard for Greenwood to believe him if a king or an ace comes and he keeps betting. It's like, he's going to be like, so you have, you made two pair? Like, right. I don't believe you with my four. I'm going to call down a lot of the time. So there, there might be a lot of value that way. Yeah, it doesn't always have to be two pair though, right? It could be, the story gets a little weird, but it could be, yeah, you were bluffing with over cards and hit when you're over cards still. It still could be that. Over cards to the queen, blind versus blind. I mean, that's a rarity. Yeah, just be over card. Yeah. Like I have king eight. Yeah. And I, and I bluffed and now I hit the king. Yeah. Right. I mean, I don't know that Greenwood would really call twice with bottom pair. I don't um, know. It becomes a weird story if, if an ace or a king comes and Vogel saying goes through yeah, streets, you know? That's true. If an ace comes, it's a little weird. Yeah, but so that's, that's good. That, that's, that's some value. That's not what happens, though. He just checks, and he obviously can't check fold here if Greenwood decides to bet based on how significantly he's underwrapped his hand. And how Greenwood is going to take stabs all the time. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, like, there is no range advantage here. On this flop, like there's, it's just blind versus blind. Like anybody could have any weird hand pretty much. I mean, Greenwood rarely has a big ace himself. True. He's usually going to raise that pre, although I know. So is Vogel saying. I understand. But since we're sitting in Vogel saying seat, right, um, we can eliminate at least a bunch of Sam Greenwood's big aces. That's sure. about it, right? And, I, and actually, big pocket pairs and stuff like that. And since we know, we know as Vogel saying, we actually probably have a slight range advantage. Is my guess since we have more pocket pairs and probably big aces, maybe very Greenwood. slight. Yeah, you think Vogelsang completes queen three off? Yeah. Oh, you think he raises it? I think he might raise or something. I don't think fold. he folds. Maybe. Yeah. I think he. I don't think he's folding any Broadway card. I think Greenwood has a hundred percent queen three off. I agree with that. He does. He has a hundred percent. I mean, it's it's a pretty janky board, queen, four, three, rainbow. Yeah. Um, Greenwood decides to bet. He bets 40K. He's just assuming that nine high is not usually good enough to win at showdown and that he can get a lot of the better hands to fold. Sure. I mean, Vogel saying if he has jack 10 is just going to give up usually here. I mean, it can't be that bad a play if, you ever, if you're in this spot every time the small blind checks to bet one blind, you know, no matter yeah. what you have. It just can't be wrong. Like, you're going to make money, right? Yeah, they're going to fold enough of the time and it's going to be fine. Another advantage for Greenwood making this bet is that it's harder for Vogelsang to put him on a draw than a lot of boards. Like there are open enders, but it's there's no flush draw. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Vogelsang is going to fold a little bit more with his showdownable big aces and stuff like that. You are just ace high. It doesn't yeah. have to be showdown. It doesn't have to be like a big ace, right? Anyways. Right. 
Right. Um, but it is only 40K into 120, and Vogelsang does have a very under Ace King here. So yeah, feels like you can't really fold yet if you're Vogelsang, right? Uh, oh, I, th- I think for one blind, we can't fold. I think if Greenwood bets bigger, we could consider folding right like, away. Like if he bets pot? Yeah, or close to it. We could just be like, you know what? Like, whatever. It didn't work. Who cares? It's not worth it, yeah. Like, he's in position, and he's just going to win in these spots, and it's fine. I barely put any money in. It cost me half a blind to play it like this instead of raising, and I'm still the master chip leader. Yep. But for one blind, it just seems absurd to fold. Also, like, often if an ace comes, like, we almost always have the best hand because he, yeah. he chose not to raise pre. Right. He's often going to raise an ace, right? And, uh, and it's going to be pretty disguised. Yeah. And we're probably going to get one street of value out of it, but that's fine. One more street, I mean. Like, probably not two more, but it'll probably go check, check on the turn, and we bet the river, and he calls. Something like that, if he has anything. Once, uh, once Vogelsang check calls and Greenwood decides to bet, it's interesting how the ranges change kind of immediately. Like Greenwood could still have everything. Obviously, yeah. he has nine deuce. Vogelsang kind of has to have something, and it has to be something of showdown value, it feels like. Like it doesn't feel like he has six eight here for like a gut shot. Like he would really? bet, feel like he would bet that himself. Uh, I think he might check with sometimes he's going to check gut shots. Actually, I think he's Vogelsang. He's going to check. He's going to have everything. Some parts of that stuff is going to be in every part of everything is going to have at least a little bit of a in checking range. Yeah, but it feels like it's pretty infrequent that it uh, like not six, eight, excuse me, um, five, seven. Yeah. Uh, on the three, four queen board. It's, seven, six. It feels pretty infrequent that he wouldn't take an aggressive action with that on the flop if he's going to do something with it. Like, I mean, he, he might either, even be checking better. in like so, with the notion of sometimes I'm going to check race, sometimes I'm going to check call. And then Greenwood bets one blind, which makes it really easy to check call. And it's also in the check call secondhand moment or whatever like that. And it's like, okay. Like the fact that Greenwood bets so small may change a little bit and be like, it's really easy just to call. Yeah. I I mean, in fairness, that's also a reason sometimes you can decide to raise. Like, you know, you don't really have anything, right, Sam? Like, you're not very strong. I'm just going to raise. Normally, a gut shot is a hand you're not going to play to check call. But when it's so cheap and the pot's so small, it's not the end of the world to do it. I suppose not. That said, he's got to have at least something. Like maybe he does yeah. check all five seven every once in a while, but that is something. Whereas, oh yeah, Greenwood doesn't have to have anything. Absolutely, yeah. no. But yeah, but I think he, I think he has to have something. He just doesn't have to have only showdownable hands when it's this cheap. That's all. Maybe not. Maybe not. You think he ever has a queen? Like how frequently does you think he has a queen? Where Vogelsang decides to check call instead of bet himself. I think he has a queen a fair amount. Fair amount. I mean, a fair amount means like. 40% of his queens he's going to play like this, something like that. Maybe yeah. maybe more, maybe 50%, something like that. Yeah, maybe. Just guessing at the numbers, but it's something like that. He's definitely not going to bet all his queens, and he's not going to check call all his queens. He's going to check raise almost none of his queens is my guess. Yeah, I don't think he's going to check raise ever with a queen. Yeah, just a queen. Yeah. Well, there's 200K in the pot now. Mm-hmm. Before we head to the turn, we got to talk about nitrogen. Yes. You've been waiting? I've been thinking. Okay. What were you thinking about? Dogs, cats, living together, how it would go. What about nitrogen? Like a small, oh. What about related to the sponsor? (laughs) What what are you you talking about? I mean, I know who they are. Why? Just thought you might have a thought or two about them. Oh. No, mostly about the pet thing, the animal Okay. Well, I guess I'll do it again. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Nitrogen sports poker room. Yeah. Uh, They keep the lights on around here. And you know what? They're good guys beyond just that because it's a Bitcoin-only poker site. And one thing that's super great about that is the withdrawal times. And it's not just because they're Bitcoin-only. It's because they're nitrogen. There are other sites that use Bitcoin. It still takes 
at least 24 hours to get your money out of the site. A lot of the time, nitrogen, it takes an hour. Yeah. That's pretty sweet. That's pretty good. And you can do that once a week for free. And if you do it more than once a week for whatever reason, I don't know. Because you're jonesing for Bitcoin. Yeah, I guess. Uh, it, they charge you 0.1 millibits. So that's not very much money. No, that's, that's a little bit. Very small amount. Less than a dollar. Yep. So that's a good reason to play on nitrogen. A good way to play on nitrogen is by using the link in the description of this podcast when you sign up because that gives you access to all of our exclusive VIP events. Yes, including and mainly our end-of-the-month tournament. Yeah. Which is a 0.1 millibit buy-in, basically, as we were saying, less than a dollar, depending on the price of Bitcoin that day. And there's 100 millibits guaranteed, which is super sweet. It's a that's thousand a, times. That's a thousand buy-ins worth of guarantee. Most we've ever had is, what, 77 people? 77. So that means you're getting like 12 and a half to one on your money. You have to play. You're crazy not to play. I'm just going to say it. You're a fool not to play. I said it there. I, said I mean, it. we've said it before, and we'll say it again. Okay, go ahead. So every, every one of you who hasn't played is a fool. You who don't know can't do. That's what we've said before. Nitrogen Sports Poker Room. You who don't know can't do. Make sure you use that link in the description. Uh, that's a good idea. Let's get back to the hand while Jonathan cracks up at his, the, own, his, the thing that he said that didn't make any sense. Good uh, times. Yeah, good times for sure. Good times for old Christoph Vogel saying because he's got the best hand here heading to the turn. Yeah. Although it's not a comfortable spot with Ace-King. I mean, we're probably going to fold on a lot of turns, right? Yeah, I think so. Queen 3-4, rainbow. Turn is the four of diamonds. It brings a flush mm. draw and pairs the second card on the board. Yeah. Vogel saying checks. I don't see how he could play the hand any differently at this point. Seems weird to bet it. I like checking. What do you think uh, Greenwood should do? Well, now that we know Vogel saying has something... He's often not going to fold the turn, right? I mean, now, it turns out ace highs, he's probably, he, he, might, he might fold ace high. The four is kind of a good card for us to rep as Greenwood, though. I mean, we have fours in our range for sure. We do, but Vogel's saying check called, and what's he check calling with? Like we said, he's got to have something, and yeah. like, he may play his gut shots to check raise now. Like, he may play his draws aggressively if we bet, potentially. Some of the time he's going to do that. Um... All his pairs are not, any, any made hand is not folding, right? There's no way he's folding a three on the turn. Not have to yet. Bet three times now. Not yet, but if we want to tell the story that we have a four yeah. or better, we probably should keep betting. That's true. If I we want to tell the story we have a queen, we can check. Yeah, if we want to tell the queen story, which there are more combos of queens available. And if we imagine, for the most part, Vogelsang doesn't have a queen or better, he has something worse than that. Yeah. Then maybe it's better to tell the queen story than the four story. The queen story is slightly more believable. Just because yeah. there's more queens to have, and it's... But there's more queens can... that he might raise preflop to, Greenwood. Like, he might raise yeah. queen jack, queen 10 sometimes, blind versus That's blind. That's true. That's you true. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a fair point. Like, he could definitely continue here. The problem is we're just not going to fold out a queen. We're not going to fold out a three. If Vogelsang has a four, he's checking it, I right. think, most of the time to us. Um, if Greenwood has a queen, he's probably checking back because of the four pairs. Right? Um, yes. Yeah, for sure he's going to check it back. So Greenwood, I think, is this, decides to rep a queen. Yeah. You know? Okay, that's interesting. By checking here, he's saying, like, if I'm going to try to win later, it's because I'm, I'm having a queen, not, not and, a four. And from Greenwood's point of view, it, it actually gives him a lot of options now, right? Like, he can see what the river is. He can see how, what Vogelsang does. And he can decide if he wants to, like, take a shot at this pot or not. Like, he's only put in two blinds. He doesn't have to take a shot. Yep. It's not a big pot. 
Right. He could decide to bluff it. He can decide not to bluff it. He gives himself all options by checking. Yeah, his minimum bet on the flop is probably plus EV in a vacuum without yeah. without having any future plans. I I think it is. Yeah. Even against Vogelsang. Right. So now he gets the opportunity to rep a queen really well and then try and win on the river, try and steal the river if he wants to. If Vogelsang bets the river, we may have to fold. That's okay. Vogelsang probably has his beat. Not an issue. You know, like maybe we'll hit a nine. That'd be pretty sweet. Oh, my goodness. Can't wait for that moment. Right? You know, if we hit a nine, we're going to have to call or bet or value bet the river. Like, there's all these interesting potential options, and we haven't invested very much. So I, I like a check. I agree. He could definitely rep a four and just bet again. I think it's probably going to work against Vogelsang here. Yeah. Probably. Not 100% sure. Um, and, like, but if Vogelsang has a queen, he's, but if Vogelsang has a pair, he's just not going to fold the turn. Right. So we can only get draws to fold and ace highs to fold. We could target ace highs. I think that's the most likely thing we're going to get to fold. The draws may not fold. We're going to have to bet pretty big. And oh, if he has check that. call gut shots in his range, he might just decide to fold those. Yes, that's right. But so sometimes he, he's going to check raise those gut shots on the turn. Sometimes, he's yeah. He's going to be balanced. Right. More so than a lot of players. Well, so that's problematic. Of course, we have nine high. It's not that big a deal if we get raised off the yeah, hand. It's not. And we don't, have to, we don't have to invest that much, right? We can bet two and a half blinds on the turn. It's fine. Well, Greenwood decides to check back. Yeah. He says, you know what? I don't want to do it. Yes. He says it in his lilting tones. Yes, lilting tones. <laughs> Is that a thing? <laughs> sure. Okay. All right. So we still have 200K in the pot. The board is Queen of Spades, Four of Hearts, Three of Diamonds. The Four of Diamonds came on the turn, bringing a flush draw. The river is the Five of Diamonds. Well, hello. So that completes uh, the flush. That was backdoored and six seven for a gut shot and deuce three for an open ender. Yep. So Vogelsang checks. I don't really see any value in betting at this point. I mean, we'd have to be bluffing if we bet, right? Yeah, trying to get a three to fold, I guess. I guess that seems like a weird idea. Yeah. I don't like it. And that five in theory is not a great card for us as Vogelsang. It's not a great card for Sam either, but it's not a great but we don't know that. It looks like a, a good a better card for Sam than for us, right? Yeah. In that it's like, well, if he had straight draws, like we just said, they came in or he made a pair with, you know, with five, six or five, seven or something yeah. like that. So not ideal. All right. Well, that's going to change that perception after Volga saying checks because Greenwood decides to really go for it. Yeah. He bets 175K. Again, he has nine high. He has nothing. Right. So when he bets 175K, you're not putting him on five, six anymore. You're not nope. thinking that was a possi- that's a possibility for Greenwood. He's might bet that, but he's definitely not betting near pot with that. I mean, that would be a pretty sick play to try and get heroed by Vogel saying betting. Yeah. We're like, I mean, you are chopping with the other fives, which is good. Um, you would think Vogel saying often is going to bet trip fours or a queen on the river a lot. Or so a flush. So a five is often going to be good. Or a flush if he somehow backdoored a flush. Yeah, or a straight. Like, he's usually going to bet that stuff, but it's definitely not a guarantee either. Yeah. And... I don't know. Like usually, when when Greenwood bets this much, he's going to actually have a polarized range, not a merged range. Usually. All right. So I want to ask a few questions about Greenwood's bet here. Yes. Uh, does it still represent a queen? Well, if that was the plan. Nah. Yeah, I don't think so. Not so much. It's too big of a bet on a card that completes some stuff to rep just top. Maybe pair. if he had like a really strong kicker with it somehow. Maybe trying but- to get called with by a worse queen. If you can assume that Vogelsang's almost always betting a four, a straight, or a flush on the river, then maybe you can make that argument. But that's a bit of a leap yeah. to assume that that's always going to happen. Agreed. Um, so 
it doesn't feel like a queen is the majority of what he's trying to rep here. I agree. So what is he trying to rep? Well, it's hard to rep trip fours now. That's for sure. When we don't bet the turn. Yeah, I mean, we can have it, I guess. But like most good players, especially in a small pot when you're deep, I mean, not that crazy deep, but we still got 48 blinds as Greenwood. It's going to be trying to build that pot up for sure. Yeah. Against Vogelsang, who decided to check call on the flop. Like, we really should be betting trip fours on the turn kind of 100% of the time, right? Uh, probably not 100, but I I'd Close. definitely get the gist of what you're saying. And I agree that it's not a great representation of trip fours anymore. Yeah. I think it might be a reasonable rep- representation of straights and flushes, though. As played. Yep. Because Greenwood, as we said, on the flop, could kind of have anything when he bets, right? I think it's a better representation of a straight than a flush. Like, he's often going to, if he's betting his backdoor diamonds on the flop, and he picks up a diamond, he actually picks up significant equity on the turn, that's usually a green light for these guys to continue. Yeah, that's one way to think about it, but you could also think about it through the lens of uh, a four. It is a diamond, but it also pairs the middle card, Yeah, which is not ideal if against Vogelsang's range, knowing that I am not the person who has trip fours here, right? Right, like, and like Vogelsang is sometimes going to bet a queen yeah. uh, on the flop. He's often going to be check-calling a four, but right. so like he has less queens than, he has less queens than, you know, you would want him to have right. compared to like a four in his hand, right? And yeah. He has, he has all the threes and he has all the four, all the normal fours and stuff like that too. Right, so as Greenwood, if we had a flush draw on the turn that we picked up, we might be a bit concerned that Vogelsang has a decent amount of fours here. Mm-hmm. We can take a free card yeah. uh, with our flush draw. And once he gets there, he bets big because he's making up he for there. missed value. You know, I mean, the truth is Vogelsang is rarely folding the turn. So it's not a terrible point. But you get to, sometimes he's going to fold and sometimes you're also going to build a pot for when you get there and... Mostly these guys bet the turn in these spots. I'm not saying that Greenwood would do it here, um, but mostly they do. When they pick up equity, they almost always continue. I agree. I just feel like you made the point that you thought a straight was more likely than a flush. I don't know. I think if you had a gut shot like like 6-7 that would have gotten there on the river with yeah. a straight, I think that's more likely to be a hand that he bets on the turn because he doesn't feel like he's burning equity if he gets an aggressive action right. taken against him because it's not a very powerful hand at all. Mm-hmm. Also, like deuce three, yeah, same kind of a thing, right? Right. Those aren't that good of hands, really. Even deuce six, like the gutter. Yeah, the flush draws just feel like they have a lot more equity that you don't want to miss out on. Mm-hmm. So it's possible he would take a free card with a flush, but I think he could have any of those hands. It's he possible could. he could. So I think that's mostly what he's repping. It's not trip fours. It's not a queen. It's mostly straights and flushes. Yeah, when he bets one seventy five, suddenly. Yeah. So and, and he's sort of pulling the, eh, you're just gonna fold, right? Like, this is not a good spot now. You don't like it, and you're just going to be Vogel saying in fold. Yeah, and I think it's not a bad time to try to do it because yeah. Vogel saying, of course, he's balanced, so this all comes with the caveat of sometimes he shows up with all of these anyway, but you'd expect to hear from a queen either pre-flop or on the flop a decent amount of the time. You'd expect to hear from a four on the river once it goes check-check on the turn very frequently. So it's more like Vogel saying has a three... Maybe he has a five, and he picked up a five on the river, like five, six, or five, seven. Mm-hmm. Um, or he has an ace high type hand. It feels like kind of weak showdown value for Vogelsang. Would you agree? Yes. Yeah, so I think it's a good time to go for it as far as that. Problem being, we're only really repping the straights and flushes based on our analysis, and that, that's not a ton of available hands. This gets into some potentially proprietary stuff, so I'm going to just talk a little bit about it. But... uh one of the things you and I have kicked around recently is this idea of using this what's seen as polarizing sizing, but having a of larger value range to do it in. Yeah, like where 
if you can have your queens be in here also, and it's a reasonable, like if you're going to bet your queens and you're going to bet, you bet 100,000 with the queens or something, bet yeah. half pot, or if, you know 80,000. Instead, if you bet 175,000 with them also, you become a much tougher player, much tougher to play against, I think, than when you bet 80,000 with your queens and 175 with your polarized stuff, yeah. which I think is like, it's, it's more transparent and it's easier to, now sometimes you have to target different parts of ranges, I understand, but like when you're up against a guy like Vogel saying, who's capable of making a call here with a lot of hands. Like, I'll tell you this, he does not instantly fold the ace king. And he does not. near pot size bet, he really thinks about it. So he's, and he, uh, he's really thinking about calling. And like, so from Greenwood's point of view, I think he's going to be harder to play against and be more successful against a guy like Vogel's thing if he's more uniform in his sizing and his bigger sizing in these spots with, with, with more good hands, like hands that we would traditionally not be betting this big with. Yeah, I just don't know if there's a ton of value in betting a weak queen this way. Like Vogelsang could show up with a queen. Yep. We'd have to choose like our strongest queens. I agree. Good queens, like probably queen nine um, plus, something like that. Yeah, I don't even know if there's any value in betting a queen at all, but I definitely, I, I like the thought process you have there and what you're saying. I don't know if this is a good run out for it. I think we should, be, I think we should bet a top pair here. Yeah, probably. It's like the pot's too small. Not to take a shot and try and get some more value. Like, he checked again. Like, usually we got him. Well, you're saying Vogelsang doesn't instantly fold. Yeah. If Vogelsang believes that, then folding seems like a pretty good option because that really expands Greenwood's value range. Right. As soon as we can put the queens back in there, like, oh, man. Like, it really, like, he's playing a, it's a good story. If, if we know he's going to bet a reasonable queen, at this with this kind of sizing but if we don't think he is then we eliminate the queens now he's telling a weirder story and now it's like mostly like we're saying straights we think with maybe a little bit of flushy so let's uh let's take a look at this from vogelsang's perspective now first let's eliminate the hands we think just are not betting okay i think a three and a five those types of hands are just not betting here not for this not for these amounts right like maybe they're betting maybe a five not a three but a five might bet for less maybe to try and squeeze value over three based on the story of the hand. You might go for like a tiny bit of value. You might. Like 60,000. Right. But as played, we don't feel like fives and threes no. are part of the range. Agreed. We don't feel like there's too many trip fours. Right. It's usually not going to be a trip four because he checked the turn in the yeah. spot where he just would be building a pot almost always. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're thinking it's probably not those types of hands. Yep. There are the concerns of the flushes and the straights, deuce three and six, sure. seven, and uh, deuce six. All got there. And then whatever backdoor flushes could be there got there. He's often going to bet all of those on the turn because they're usually not going to be a pair with those, right? Um, maybe if he had a pair with his... Is the three a diamond? It's not. Yes, it is. It is. Okay. Yeah, and, and we, we did say that we thought he would check a reasonable amount with his draws on the turn because the four hits Vogel saying enough for it yeah. to be like taking a free card time. Yeah, but if he has, like, the, the straight draws are all non-showdownable, so yeah. he might be a little bit more apt to, like, like with the flush draws, maybe he has the king X of diamonds or something, so he may feel like, well, right. king high is good sometimes, at least. Right, and two-thirds of the straight draws that got there were gut shots, um, yeah. and those feel like bad enough equity that it, betting the turn makes sense. Yeah. Okay, that said... It feels weird that he has strong value a lot of the time here, even though that's what he's repping. Mm-hmm. But it's it's still hard to have. We're we're kind of underrepped with Ace King, as Vogel saying. Would you say? 
Not really. It's more like we're under repped anymore. It feels like we have a three. Yeah, so we're basically repped. Like yeah. a three and ace king play pretty much the same here, right? Yeah. They're the same thing. Right. I think we're we're pretty much right where we're supposed to be. So this is gonna be another one of those analyses where we've done many times where based on the way the hand plays out, we just have to assign a random number of bluffs. You know, like because right. it, it, there's no like sensible bluffs left. Right. That's right. There's no sensible bluffs left. Um, so I don't know how to do that. You just have to make an assessment based on the player. Yes, mostly. that's right. Like, what do we think about Sam? Is Sam splashy? How splashy is Sam in these spots? Right. Assuming neutral splashiness, then we have to rely on distribution, which I'm sure Vogel saying is very good at. Yes. Um, he's going to have some pocket pairs in his, his range, obviously, because he has ace king. He's going to have some. He's going to have other ace highs in his range, though, too. That are worse. worse hands. But that's about that's it. it as far, so we're pretty low in our distribution. King Jack. We would call, call things like that, I think, uh, for one blind, even out yeah, of position. Yeah, we we, especially if we have two back doors or something. Yeah. Or, yeah. Like if maybe, we even, have, maybe even just no back doors. I mean, you have one anyway with King Jack or King King. Yeah. But um, maybe you don't even need the, the flush back door when you've got, when it's one blind, literally. Maybe. Like, maybe it's not. so cheap. Like, okay. That said, that's still like, maybe not. Maybe we yeah. will fold that. And Would you fold King Jack to one blind when you're, when you're the chip leader and he, he's got 50 blinds? Uh, probably not. I think I'd call. But, and also, I, I played it to be underrepped. And he bet for, I would call for sure. Now I'm, t- now I'm talking my way through it. I definitely would call. Okay, but that's, I don't know about King 10. King 10 is starting to get sketchy. King 9 is probably not. I would call King 10. King 9 is getting a little tougher without, without any backdoor, other, like backdoor flush stuff yeah. happening. It's true. Yeah, For one I think, blind, I might talk myself into I probably talk myself into I'm like, King High might be good. I call. Yeah, and Vogel's saying, okay, so let's go through the rest of his hands yeah, okay. that he could have. He could have some queens here. He could yes. play some queens like this. I mean, not yes. all of his queens, obviously. He has some queens. He has threes, as we said. He has ace highs. He probably doesn't have too many fours that he doesn't bend the river, but he's going to have a couple because he's Vogel saying. Exactly. He can have a couple fours. And for the same reason, he's probably going to have a couple flushes that he backdoored. I mean... He could have a couple full houses, too. Yeah. But these are all few and far between. But he, he's going to have some of all of that. It feels like we're below the watermark in our distribution yeah. here. It's hard to argue, especially when Sam is betting so much. So yeah. this cannot be a game theory decision. This right. has got to be an exploitative decision. Which is to call, by the way. Vogelsang does call. Yes. Vogelsang calls. Clearly, he can't be calling based on distribution. Because no. I agree with you. There's no way Ace-King is high enough up in the rank of hands that we're playing that are that get here at this point to be able to call. He just believes that Greenwood is bluffy enough that he can make this call. Right. The Greenwood, the line that Greenwood told sort of a weird story. Yeah. There aren't that many hands that really make sense with it. There are a few, certainly. Yeah. Um, but there aren't that many hands. And if we think he's not capable or willing, maybe capable is the wrong word, willing to bet top pair like this, and it's mostly like trips are better, and he doesn't really have any trips. So now we're down to like flushes and, and straights, and he doesn't have that many flushes. And maybe we think he's really, maybe we know enough about him to even know he's usually continuing with his semi bluffs on the turn in these spots, so on and so forth. Then, yeah. you know, I'm, it's like, well, what is he supposed to have? There might other, also be some metagame value here in showing his ace king. I mean, I guess they're going to see it anyway. So yeah, they're going to see it in half an hour. That we have the king of diamonds, by the way. Not that that's a huge factor, but we do block the flush draw. Yeah, maybe that's enough of a factor to make the difference for a guy like Vogel saying, though. Yeah, it's possible that that literally is the difference. If I have a diamond in my hand, I call. If I don't, I fold. Yeah, that's not crazy. It's reasonable. But OK, there is 
some value in actually calling with this hand, though, not just showing that we limped ace-king, but actually calling with this hand in a blind versus blind scenario to, to show that, like, sometimes I'm underrepped, and even my underrepped hands that don't get there, sometimes I'm going to call with those if you try to make a move on me. It's going to be tough for you to play against me. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if, if Vogelstein needs to... There's a lot of value in this, in this field for him to show that. Yeah. They probably all know that, but I think in general, against most fields... Yes, there's real value, especially the guy on your left, especially in these spots where there's only 12 players. And this guy is going to be on your left for like a long time. Yeah, by the way, this is not a huge pot. This is only like a four and a half blind bet on the river. So it's not like devastating if right. Vogelsang calls and is wrong. Right. Uh, Greenwood started with uh, how many chips? Two million. Two million. So he ends up betting 10% of his remaining stack on the river. Yeah. And uh, so it's not that big a deal to him either. Obviously, right. he wants to win and he's going for it. And I... I like that. Um, I wonder, though, if sizing ends up costing him a little bit, like if he bets 225 if he gets the fold or oh, 250. Oh, you think he just goes over pot? Yeah, as soon as, like, like I wonder if there's... Because I know for me, like, that's a noticeable thing, which then I, I sign a different category, too. As soon as we go over pot is different than, like, just under pot. How to know? bluff Jonathan Levy. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Although now that I've said that, I'm going to have to adjust. But, like, up until now, like, really, like, I noticed because that's, like... When I know, because I know, I guess for personally, when I decide to bet more than the pot, that is a very conscious choice, you know? Sure. Sometimes I might accidentally do it, but if I'm just trying to bet close to the pot, and I, you know, because I didn't count it exactly. But like when I really, like if I bet any kind of significant amount over the pot, that's always a conscious choice. Yeah. Because I know how much is in the pot. So that's well, like, you, that's a big deal. What do you think? I don't think this is such an inexplicable play by Vogel saying like the other two plays. I agree. No, certainly not. I no, actually no, think no. It's, I get it. It's probably justifiable. Yeah, it's I, just so, I don't think I would do it. Yeah, but uh, I would have been wrong this time. And it, it's possible I've been playing. If I had been playing enough with Sam Greenwood, I would do it. Right. It's possible. Like uh, I call. It's whatever. I got a lot of chips. This seems reasonable. Um, I agree. It's certainly at least justifiable. Yeah. What do you think about Greenwood's line? Do you think he made a mistake? He just didn't get a good enough run out, or do you think it was a good run out for him to make the move on the river? I think it's good enough that it's supposed to work. Yeah. How about that? Um, I think as we sit there, we can say, Vogelsang almost never has a queen. He almost never has trips. He almost never has a straight. He almost never has a flush. He should fold a three here when I bet big. Yeah. So a three or worse. He's supposed sure. to, He's really supposed to fold. He just didn't. So I think I kind of like how both these guys played the river. You know, like Vogelsang, well... I don't know if I like how Vogelsang played the river, actually, but I like that it worked out for him. I don't, I don't think I, I don't know if this is good, but he's good enough that it, it probably is. But like, I'm not sure. But Greenwood, I like Greenwood's decision making. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's pretty good. I, uh, yeah, I definitely doesn't fall in the category of the other two Vogelsang hands where I'm like, that just feels like it can't be correct. Yeah. You know, like those two plays just can't be right. Right. Like, how can they be right? That's Vogelsang. Yeah. About. Yeah. What do you, what do you think about Greenwood? In this in this hand, yeah, like I've, on the river. Do you like his Do you like his river decision and his turn decision for that matter? Do you like how he played it? I my only concern is that he might not have enough value, yeah, on the river to do this. Yeah, he may be doing this way too often. Yeah, if he's doing it with nine deuce, right? Now, nine deuce, he may say to himself like, "This is one of the worst hands I can have," and that's true. This is a, rank wise. This is going to be one of the worst possible hands he can show up with. But when Vogelsang checks twice, having check called the flop, I understand going for it. So yeah. I don't think I can fault it too much. And you know, I like that um, Greenwood size it up a bit. You know, yeah. instead of betting eighty thousand and like just getting stationed, you know, like you make it hard on Vogelsang. And and what we should be doing really to adjust once we see this happening as Greenwood is just what we were saying is like really expand the value range when we bet big like this. Like yeah. okay, so now you're gonna have to pay me off. 
I mean, we should be seeing this anyway. I think this is a, an adjustment that's coming quick. Like, yeah, soon. I think you're right. Yeah. I mean, just seeing against certain players, but against a guy like Vogel saying, for sure you should be doing this. Like, the way he, when he called Bonomo in the same tournament, when Bonomo shoved on him with two pair and he called with just two fives. On a board where, like, no bluffs make sense at all, ever, especially with Bonomo's stack. Justin had to be turning bottom pair into a bluff. Yeah. For no reason. When, when he would have thought bottom pair would be good a lot. Yeah. Um, where he could just check and check call even. Like, really strange. And he overbet the pot on the river instead. So, Yeah. Really strange call there. So, like, Vogelstein's just going to hero. So, like, you got to punish that. And Justin really did. Justin absolutely punished super hard. That's why he's <laughs> the best, I guess. Yeah. And I, so it's possible Greenwood's doing that too, or like, but I think all the guys must be thinking about that and talking about that for against dudes like Vogelstein who are just going to decide to call you sometimes with right. hands they sh- they're not, quote, supposed to. It'll be fun to start seeing some of those adjustments in our breakdowns in the near future. Yeah. And if not, that's okay. We'll be doing it yeah. to them, hopefully. To Christoph Vogel saying. Well, you know, if he's sitting at the table. Yeah. Got to make that play. Got to do it. Yeah. I'm betting ace eight on the king eight four four three board on the river for 1.8x pot. What are you going to do with your with your jack high Vogel saying? You're calling. <laughs> he has to call. He's calling. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're done. Cool. All I need is one mic. And I can show every single MC how it's done right. Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave him tongue-tied. I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life. And I took him on a break, but I'm back to claim the throne. And gonna be traveling the globe. We still have time to make it.